I think that just sticking to you and not trying to do something based on, you know, performance of other things is, is the best, you know, the best way to move forward. I think, I don't know. (laughs) What do I know? Welcome to episode 45 of the EDM podcast and welcome to 2017. This is the first episode for the year uh, and it's a good one. My name is Sam Matler, I'm your host and it's my job with this podcast to interview successful producers and interesting people in the music industry. And today we have a producer and industry practitioner on the show. His name is Lucas James. He's label manager at Seeking Blue which is the record label associated with popular promotional channel Mr. Suicide Cheap. We start off by talking about Seeking Blue as a label, the the vision behind it, and what makes it different to other labels. We also talk about how to get your music featured on YouTube channels, what drives Lucas, how he sees the industry changing, the importance of quick communication, and why labels need to work with artists on their vision. Lucas is a really passionate person, as you'll pick up on during this interview. I had a ton of fun recording it, so I hope you enjoy listening to it. And if you do, I'd love it if you could leave a rating or review uh, for the podcast on iTunes. Head on over to edmprod.com slash iTunes to do so. Without further ado, here is Lucas James. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers those who've been producing for under 12 months, or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video, where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lucas James. Lucas, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I am fantastic. Hey, it's awesome. great to have you on. Yeah, it's um, great to be here, man. Yeah. So, so for those who don't know you, what do you currently do and how did you get there? Give us a bit of background. Yeah. So um, I guess for those who don't know me, I am the label manager for... Uh, a label called Seeking Blue, uh, which is a branch um, from the YouTube channel, Mr. Suicide Sheep. Um, and kind of how I got to that path is is very interesting and, and weird. Um, I'm a producer myself and I make music uh, and I compose. I, I wouldn't say producer, but you know. Uh, mm. And anyway, so I kind of have been in the scene for, for a while, like the SoundCloud scene back when it was like, I think in its prime. Um, and I obviously was a follower of, of the channel. And... I kind of ran, I, I helped run a label in the UK called City by Night. And that was really cool. And I didn't really know anything, you know, about the industry whatsoever. It was just very much like, you know, a bunch of creative people chatting on Skype every night and releasing music on Bandcamp. And <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the extent of that. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. that kind of, you know, that moved into, that moved into podcasting and, and, and just kind of sharing music almost on a radio level, but also in the SoundCloud basis. Um, and then kind of through those avenues and, and magically, I just ended up, you know, meeting Sheepy, the guy who runs the channel. And he 
he kind of gave me a chance to to really grow his label that he had already started building and and I was really passionate about it and you know I don't know if in, intentionally like that was my purpose but that's kind of what we just leaned me towards and and I've just been going at it you know since then awesome awesome yeah uh, what makes what makes seeking blue different to other labels uh that's an interesting question and i i've i've thought about this a lot um i think you know not only what makes us different um but it makes kind of any label different is is the taste and the people behind it um mm. i think mm. that you know ultimately like any label can be seen as a very mechanical output pardon me <clears throat> a very mechanical output um but I think it kind of all comes down to the taste and the people behind it. And also I think for Seeking Blue, it become, you know, the birth of the channel was, was very unique. Um, coming from YouTube isn't something that every label has done or even mm. has capitalized on yet. I think. For sure. And you have an interesting, um, reading through that document you sent me, the, mm. the sales royalty split is, is insane compared to most labels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> to be like, to be totally transparent, I think coming into this game, um, we didn't, we, you know, we didn't really know what the industry standards were and what artists were getting, but we uh, always knew, you know, we always knew that it was bad. Um, and that yeah, generally yeah. it was, it was lower than it should be. Um, so something that we really, you know, that's like one of our, our major, our major things is that I always want to try to give the artists the best split that they can get. There's no, like, I'm not going to cut them off at 20% or something like that, mm -hmm. because that's ridiculous in my opinion to not, no offense of anyone, but, um, <laughs> no, of course I agree. Ultimately, like, I think for us, because, you know, we're a sm super, super small team, the music is very, very much number one, and that's so cliche to say, but it really is. And those mm. people that make it are, are that's that's everything to me anyway. So I think that you know having very fair royalty splits and super competitive royalty payments and stuff like that is just kind of what labels need to do now in order mm. to validate themselves as a business, um, and then also you know give the artists what they're owed and what they deserve. I want to I want to touch on this a little bit more because I last week I talked to Sebastian Lintz, mm -hmm. um, and I asked him how he thought record labels needed to adapt over mm -hmm. the next five to ten years to survive. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. How do you think labels will need to to change their methods or how they do things um, to thrive or even survive in in the changing yeah. industry? Yeah, man, that's a that's a loaded question. I think. Um, you know, I think every day is a really good answer because you literally have to be understanding what's happening around you every single day and mm -hmm. understand what the artists want every single day and where they want to be. But, um, I think kind of a general model for labels, at least something that I really value, um, you know, is almost the Ausla model. There's, there's several, but, uh, just being super creative and, and showing mm -hmm. off that voice rather than being a mechanical output, um, because anyone can distribute music now. It's no secret yeah, at yeah. all. Um, so if that's all you're going to be as a label, then you're, you're nothing. But if you can, you know, get on Skype with an artist and discuss concepts and create worlds and discuss, yes. you know, their video path or, or how their art is going to look or what their music is even going to sound like and who they are as people. Um, you know, I think that's 
at least for us, how we function, I think at our highest frequency. Um, because, you know, if you're not doing that, then what really are you doing? I think yeah. that marketing and the business side is, is it's not an afterthought. It's very important, but it's something to focus on, you know, after the, the creative process is, is, you know, taking the main stage. Yeah. I love that. Uh, you know, Sebastian said a similar thing. Like why would, why would you as an artist sign to a label, give away 50% of your mm-hmm. income um, yeah. when you could pay $10 to TuneCore yeah. or, or a service like that and, and get distribution done for you? Dude, it's so, yeah, I mean, that's so true. And I think, you know, I I don't really want to, you know, talk about this from my end, but I think any of the artists that we work with can can attest to it is that, you know, when we start working on a project, we come in basically, you know, as a creative management um, in a lot mm. of ways. I mean, a lot of these guys have become my best friends and I, we chat constantly about, you know, everything, you know, whether it be yeah. personal lives or the music. And I think it's just that bond that ideas just spark and, and come from that is, you know, it's irreplaceable because I think focusing on the people is definitely one of the most important things you can do. Um, because yeah, I mean, I, I'm an artist too, right? So I also have to think of that from my perspective mm. and what I would want is someone to be like, be there with me to, to push me and make me make better music than I've ever made before to inspire me, to kind of help connect the dots where I don't want to pay mine to, um, and kind of fill in those blanks that I don't want to fill in as an artist. I think that's ultimately what a label has to be now. Um, Mm. you know, all, you know, all too many times I've heard artists talk about situations where it's a very impersonal connection uh, with the label. And, you know, that's, that's actually really sad to me. Um, because I think, you know, 99% of artists out there are truly like beautiful people they're expressing Mm. and they're creating. Um, and we have to honor that as like industry and business side of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I won't name any of them, but I've known so many people who have like this immense talent and, and creativity yet it's just not it's not cultivated or they get into a bad contract or they get bad management and they quit uh, yeah they quit music altogether and it's it's really unfortunate dude i that's that breaks my heart like that's like the worst story for me like mm. honestly hands down yeah it sucks man um so so kind of a, a two-part question what are some of the challenges you faced, you know, leading up to working uh, with Seeking Blue? And what are some of the challenges you faced building the label? Yeah. Um, I think working up to it was, I think, I think finding kind of my, my place as a person. <laughs> I mean, I always, mm. I, I have a degree in, in film production, which is totally unrelated. Um <laughs> So I think that, you know, just as a person, it was very, it was very much a struggle because music has always been my passion. I've, I've been playing music my whole life, um, mm. but I never thought it was viable. I never thought it was something I could do. So I'd say the biggest challenge is just doubt um, mm. and kind of that inner voice toying with you saying you, you can't actually do that. You know, that's not a job. That's not something you can do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I bet you there's thousands of people with that in their heads right now and they're just not going a step further. Um, <clears throat> so for me, I think that was the biggest challenge of just being like, Hey, I can actually do this and I'm going to really work hard at, at doing this. Um, 
and and coming to that point was was probably the hardest for sure and did you have any like system for for overcoming that or was it just you know you you sat down you're like enough is enough i'm just gonna like (laughs) jump (laughs) yeah man honestly it's it's kind of weird um i think you know there is a jump point with everyone Mm -hmm. i think any any person that is really doing something they truly love every day um you know i think there is a point they just took a jump and they said, I'm, I'm just ready, ready to do it. And I think that, mm. you know, musicians are the number one person kind of in that category. Um, so for me, it was just, you know, it was a passion thing always. And then, you know, it just became my job and my, you know, my life essentially kind of secondary, which is, you know, a dream come true basically. For sure. And, and what about with Seeking Blue? What are some of the challenges you've faced together as a label? Yeah. Uh, over the past couple of years. <laughs> um, I think at the beginning, something that we were noticing a lot, uh, or at least I was speaking to the artists so much was, was these, these deals that, you know, so many people are afraid to get into a deal with good reason. Um, mm-hmm. so being a label, uh, just being a label is kind of hard, um, because it is almost a tarnished word, I'd say in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, rightfully so. I'm not even going to defend that in any way. Um, but I think just building a connection and working closer and kind of showing, you know, showing yourself as a person was was something that we just kind of had to do to overcome that. Um, and, and, you know, at the beginning, it was very difficult to prove that we could actually do something and that we could actually provide a benefit to anyone. Um mm which I'm sure that any, you know, any starting label or any kind of company in the music industry has that phase. And cause I, I've thought about that. Like it's one of the reasons I, I haven't started a label and don't mm-hmm. plan to because of the amount of upfront. I don't know if upfront is the right word, but there's this huge amount of time and effort needed to get to a point where you have critical mass or you have people who, who want to release on your label. Mm-hmm. and so on and so on so how long if you could guess how long do you think it took to get to that point where it was like oh this is a thing now this <laughs> is gonna work man honestly if i'm being totally honest i think it's still getting there um mm. you know we aren't an anjuna or we aren't an armada or we aren't you know right. a major like you know not everyone wants to sign records with us um mm. but mm. You know, it definitely has grown and it definitely, like, we've definitely shown our colors with a lot of the releases. You got um, some huge releases on there. Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's a blessing, truly. Um, mm. And I think those help. And I think also building the trust with the artists that we work with is the number one step to getting more releases because artists are mm. friends. Mm. Artists chat. Facebook is a very accessible place. Um, so, yeah. yeah, man. So, I mean, if you, if you can build a... A strong bond with an artist and that release happens to do well that artist will talk hopefully i mean that's we don't sign exclusive deals we never sign an artist mm, mm. um we never lock an artist into place but we hope why is I that hope, yeah it, it's because i feel like as artists people want creative freedom right so yeah let's say we want we sign a melodic trance artist and then you know, their single does well or doesn't do well, whatever, but we have maybe five options on them. 
mm. and they be, and they want to produce trap now, you know, I'm not going to limit them to their contractual obligations because they changed creative direction. Um, mm. or maybe they just want to experience something different. Um, you know, an artist should want to want to come back. I, I feel the same way about follow gates. I feel like someone should want to download something if they want to download it or want to add it to a playlist or want to follow you out right. of passion for your music rather than, you know, being kind of forced to do it, you know, oh, for that's, whatever that's reason. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, and that's kind of the way I feel about signing an artist exclusively because it's their life. It's their career. If we do mm. a good job as a label, I'm going to bet that they're probably going to come back because, you know, why not? And if they don't want to, we're not going to have hard feelings at all. Right. For sure. Man, I just have to say, this is so refreshing. <laughs> like That's good to this hear. This is what man. needs to be said. Um, <laughs> the, the follow gate thing though. I mean, yeah. you know, what would you say to someone, an, an artist who's like, well, uh, there's no money in music sales anymore. Like all I'm asking for is a follow. Surely yep. they can, if they want to download my track, they have to follow me or whatever. Because um, I, I have a similar point of view to you. I think it's, you know, like, first of all, I don't like to download gates with 10 different SoundCloud accounts. I think right. that's stupid. Yep. Um, and like, if I come across a good artist on SoundCloud, with great music i'm going to follow them like, yeah. that's just a natural thing to do yeah yeah i think i think yeah i think we're kind of in the same mindset but the thing is um it's a, it's such a loaded question and it's so hard to kind of quantify mm. um and it ties into a bigger topic that you know is i i firmly believe that people should be everywhere that's my number one yes. belief yeah um but in terms of the follow gate i think that you know having a person follow you to download your song is not bad I right, think when you right. latch on five accounts, you make them repost, you make them comment, you yeah. make them follow your Spotify account, you make them, you know, subscribe. You'd rather to just pay two dollars and tell them. <laughs> right, man. <laughs> and I think, you know, for example, me, I'm an ambient artist. Like I make mm. movie score type music. And let's say I want to download a trap song for my friend. Mm. If I'm forced to repost that then my audience sees this song that's totally out of context and furthers, you know, further hurts my brand as an artist. Um, mm. So I think those kind of things, it's almost like you're trying to get too much out of it and you should be focused more on being yourself, being genuine and, and hoping that people kind of come to you naturally rather than forcing them to just stick around. I love that. Uh, I, I think the reposting thing is so true because mm-hmm. um, there was a, an example a while back of an account that you know got a lot of downloads through a gate mm-hmm. and forced people to repost, except they didn't know. And so there was a bunch of complaints. You know, yeah. like, oh, I've reposted this to my account. I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah, hundreds of people. So. Yeah, dude, I think transparency and openness and honesty is the number one way to kind of move forward as an artist and as a business. For sure. And I, I feel like, especially after talking to Sebastian, mm-hmm. I feel like that's where the industry is heading, especially with Spotify. Yeah. Because now, as he said, like there's no benefit for Spotify to accept, I don't know, $10,000 from a label to put a mediocre song on there yeah. because it, it affects them too much. Yep. Um, I agree. So I love that. So 
you know a fair bit about YouTube and, and YouTube promotional channels. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to artists looking to enter the YouTube game and um, get their music featured? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a weird world. It's an old one. Um, mm. I think that, you know, as an artist, I think just send your music to as many people as possible. Um, listen to the channels. Like, seriously, just spend an hour listening to any channel that you can find. Um, mm. Because the more you understand the taste, the more you understand who and who may not accept your music. Um, because, you know, every channel, you know, as far as I know, every channel that I know, which is a lot, listen to every demo. They really do. Mm. Um, and, you know, if your music is very in line with, say, a Trap Nation or a Proximity, and you're sending to that person because you've listened to the channel and you know that you're on that path, um, I think your chances are way higher um, because ultimately every single channel that I'm aware of that exists is taste-based ultimately a hundred percent, absolutely no questions asked. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're kind of, if you sync up to that taste and you understand where to go, you know, maybe you're more of a majestic casual than a Mr. Suicide Sheep. Know that mm. before you send a demo. Um because it is discouraging to get let down. I don't care what anyone says. I know you have to have a thick skin as an artist, but it is discouraging. Um, but I mean, I think if you understand the taste of where you're going, that will help you a lot. Right. And what about what about social counts following? Because a lot of people a lot of people complain, or they don't complain, but they kind of wonder, you know, do I need to build my following before I send music to a YouTube channel? They often make the link, um, and it's really hard to tell people this. Uh, it's hard for me, at least. Mm-hmm. They often think that because their music's not getting signed or not getting promoted, that it's because they don't have enough following. Most of the time, it's because they haven't worked on their craft to the point where the music is good enough. But does that come into account at all? Uh, is, well, I mean, no, to be very mm. blunt. Um, at least I'm very familiar with how Mr. Suicide Sheep works because um, mm. I'm closely related to him, but I know that that does not matter whatsoever for, for that channel. Um, awesome. And basically any other channel that I know of, I know that every demo gets seen and every demo is looked at with the same eyes. Um, mm. I think the difference is say you have an artist with a hundred thousand followers on Facebook and that person has been doing it for five years. Mm. And there's a good chance that that artist maybe has built a relationship and has been talking to these channels for years and, and has gotten to know these people. Um, So I think that any complaints come from, you know, Hey, you're posting this artist too much. I think that's just, you know, that's just the natural form of the relationship. The music will come to you easier if, you've gotten to know that person. And if you're an, a brand new artist, you have that exact same opportunity. Um, but I know that, you know, almost every YouTube channel, if not every YouTube channel has posted artists with under a thousand followers, hundred mm. percent. Does it change for labels though? Uh, for us? No. Uh, for Seeking mm. Blue, absolutely not. I know there are labels that, that do kind of take into consideration how well a brand is developed and how well, following is developed um but for us you know that's my favorite thing to do so if that's a blank canvas then it's even better i love that i love (laughs) that as an artist and and someone who's in the industry what are some of the most common mistakes you see artists making 
I think, you know, I think the most common mistake is just doing it for the wrong reasons, um, or, or reasons that aren't genuine to you. Um, thinking that you don't have to put effort into something in order to win, uh, Mm. in quotes. I mean, I think that artists that are the most genuine are the most kind of successful. Um, so I feel like, you know, when I, it's very transparent and it's very, you know, you can see right through an artist when they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, and I think that's a huge mistake. Um, for anyone, I think that, you know, if that's what you want to do, you know, make it obvious, tell people I want to make money with this song. Let's see if I can make money. You know, I don't know if that'll work, but you can, you can see through, um, those kind of plots. Um, but I think, and then, you know, to go back to the YouTube thing, artists that guilt trip or make people feel guilty or, uh, bring negative connotation against other artists or channels or whatever. Um, I think that's a huge, what mis- would, what would an example be? Um, well, like you said, complaining about uh, said channel posting too much of one artist or, right. yeah, yeah. You know, that person, you know, just rips off of flume, like uh, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, but maybe that's just what they like. Like they're able mm. to make music however they want to. Um, and if that's their choice, they can do it. I mean, you don't have to like it and you can just move on and share the love and do what you love. And that doesn't affect you as an artist. Um, and I, I mean, that's one of the things that just grinds my gears the most is, is being negative and putting people down or getting down, you know, mm-hmm. you know, all too well when we have to decline something, um, which is not because of quality per se, it's just because of taste. I feel like, you know, some artists get really hurt by that or, or discouraged mm. or, you know, even angry, um, which is the exact opposite reaction that we try to have. Like, it's more mm. like a, mm. this one isn't right, but I really appreciate you sending this because you worked so hard on it. I hope that someone else really likes it. And I'm, you know, anyone who's come in contact with me, if it doesn't work for our label, I'm willing to send it to whoever I know personally as well. Mm. Mm that it may that work is for. that is a very nice rejection email <laughs> oh, I, honestly man like like the ones i've got in the past uh have normally just been yeah not a good fit yeah, <laughs> well, it, it, just yeah. one sentence <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i mean ultimately like we also i know that you know i know that mr suicide sheep has a like a track submission platform that mm-hmm. makes it very easy to kind of go through demos um and it also removes any social following from artists so that we can't even see oh, wow. who's big or not. So that's awesome. Uh, I mean, so, and that, that thing sends out like these, like, sorry, it's not a good fit emails if we reject mm. it from within that platform. Um, mm. But anytime, you know, anytime someone reaches out, I try my very best to be like as cordial, you know, as possible because it's someone's art at the end of the day. And yeah, yeah. that's kind of the most respect respectful thing you know they're they're doing a lot to just give that to me so i have to do the same kind of back to to even it out right for sure going back to to the whole being genuine as an Mm. artist or doing it doing it for the right reasons i think what's great about that is that you know music the music industry is volatile Uh, you don't have to look far to see that no some people have a career for five years and then you know it's just just not working Mm mm-hmm 
if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're doing it because you love music, mm-hmm. you know, of course you want to do it full time, yeah. but it's almost like it, it doesn't matter as much yeah. because if you're doing it for two hours a day as a hobby, awesome. Yeah. If that happens to turn into something, awesome. Mm. If after five years, it's not really working anymore. Cool. You can still make music because you love doing it. Yeah. As soon as it becomes attached to an external um, metric, like yeah. money yeah. Or, or fame, mm-hmm. uh, it becomes kind of fleeting, if, if that's the right word. <sighs> that's so Or right. temporal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I've seen that. You know, we, <laughs> I mean, I've seen that all too many times. I think that, you know, the attachment to your music should be separate from anything that comes from the music, um, mm. almost as two separate entities. I think that the creation process should not be influenced on which song was a hit before it. Um, that's my personal view and, you know, everyone's different, but I think kind of going into a studio or recording or playing acoustic guitar in your bed, I think should come from a place within you that you're made up of, not what your past successes have been or not how much money you've made or haven't made beforehand or what you've seen other people make. Um mm. And if it, you know, if it happens to cross into, you know, let's say you want to make a future based flume sounding song that, and that's coming from you as like a natural individual, then, you know, by all means do it. But if you're doing it to try to be flume, that will never work because you aren't him. Um, Mm. So I think that kind of being genuine can look a thousand different ways. Um, and also so can the right reasons. Sometimes the right reasons are money for some people or are fame mm. for some people. Um, and that is genuinely what they kind of desire as their highest excitement. But I think that just sticking to you and not trying to do something based on, you know, performance of other things is is the best, you know, the best way to move forward, I think. I don't know. <laughs> what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> no no I, I get it man i get it for sure I, I do know people who are very systematic about you know i'm gonna make this type of music um because this is where the trend's gonna go in the next couple of years but at the same time they are very passionate about music they just they're kind of business minded in a right sense. yeah and i think that you know there's no there's nothing bad about that at all if that's how mm. you do it that's how you do it yeah but if you're doing that because uh, I don't know, like you have these people that get into ghost production because there's so much money in it, right. at least there was two years ago. I'm assuming there is now. Uh, and one example is Ashley Warbridge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of him, mm-hmm. but you know, the trance guy, he came out six months ago saying that he was sick of ghost producing and it was just like a messed up world and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And he he's getting back into his own artist career and, and so on and so on. And it's like, oh yeah. It's not actually, it's not actually that great. Yeah, you know, yeah, make a ton of money, but you're you're going against. At least for him, it sounded like he'd been suppressing himself or his creative potential, dude. Yeah, um, for money. I mean, it's kind of weird, man. And like from both ends, I think that you know, if you become a huge, massive artist and you've never made a song or you've maybe made one song, mm. then you know what are you? Um, because, how do you sleep at night yeah, kind of man and like you know i'm not like i'm not hating on anyone that's done that i mean but i think right. the thing that i don't like and i don't really like talking about what i don't like but 
what I don't like is that it's deceiving of your fans. Mm. I mean, you're, you're totally oh, yeah. pulling wool over their eyes. Um, yeah. So I think, it, you know, if you're a producer and you've never made a song, then you're not a producer. You're maybe a good executive who can find talented producers and maybe you should get into a yeah. different business or just tell your fans that. Um, because, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing anything, but I think that you shouldn't, you know, put people in the dark or deceive them to make money off of them, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I don't agree with that personally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I think I already know the answer to this, but what? Because you seem like a very passionate person. Uh, <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> what drives you? Ah, oh, man, that's such a tough question. Um, there's a few things. I love music. Ultimately, mm. music just is is the next. You know, it's it's honestly like besides food, water and shelter it's it's the next thing on my list um but also, <laughs> i mean but also something that i didn't know until i actually got into the label world um is seeing artists and other creatives really happy um is is like the best feeling that i can ever even if it's like a tiny thing maybe i'm like hey man like we got this artist that you wanted to make your album art and they're so stoked on that because that's exactly what they wanted and that's going to help complete their vision. Man, that yes. is like why I go back into the office the next day, truly. Yeah. It's so cool. That's like, it's the best feeling in the entire world to see someone else's vision like complete itself and then turn out well for them. I love that. That is that is amazing. Um, <laughs> so, in the, in the micro then, what does a day in the life of lucas look like no no life uh no day no life no 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 day is the same um uh i think that it's kind of just you know every day is different um every day Mm. there's a lot of talking to artists there's a lot of listening to music um a lot of writing emails um and vetting demos and, and sorting that kind of stuff uh and then you know i get home from work i cook dinner for me and my girlfriend and then i start scoring films and producing music so i mean it's like literally probably 15 hours a day in front of a computer which is not yeah, good my yeah. optometrist tells me but who knows have you thought of a because uh, i'm the same uh have you thought of getting a standing desk or do you have one? oh we have one yeah we have yeah i have oh, one. Yeah. Awesome. it's it's super it's a game changer man it, it kind of yeah i need to get one now. yeah <laughs> dude you you do and i mean there's even these there's actually a company here in vancouver that um, makes these things called the Ori desks. And it's just like a cardboard box that you put on top of your desk. I've seen those. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, get it. It's a great alternative. And I think that as long as you're not like in, insanely tall or insanely short, I think, and I'm not sponsored I'm not. by them by any means, <laughs> but I think that, you know, if you want to try the standing desk thing, go for it. Cause it'll kind of keep you on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do that. And didn't Stephen After Hawking actually recently say that the number one downfall of like humans right now is that we sit too much. I think I saw, probably yeah. I think I, which that, that's not surprising though. I mean, it's it's a very recent thing. Yeah, man. I don't know if um, we're meant to be like so. Yeah. So still all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the the screens like yeah. they can't be good for your eyes. The blue light. I don't know, dude. Yeah, it's. Nuts. I don't know. It's a little bit terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what'll happen? I don't think there's enough research to really say. But we're the test subjects. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. This might be a hard question to answer because I've I've only asked it once. Okay. 
uh, to Booty. Ah, uh, Booty. We both know. Hey, Booty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he better listen to this. I'll tell him to. <laughs> okay. um, what is something, this can be music, creativity, mm. uh, industry related. What is something that most people disagree with you on? Oh, I personally believe that you should never, ever think about money uh, in relation to music ever. Hmm. Um, it will come if it does, uh, but it should never be thought of in the same boat. I think that, you know, a lot of people try to capitalize on, you know, the revenue streams and where to capitalize on this revenue stream and how much royalties are getting paid from this company or how, you know, how that direct deal is going to influence them. Um, which is like the, the entire music business. But I feel like if I, if, if it was my dream world, that would be totally just in a back room and Mm. someone would be dealing with it, but it wouldn't be a focus at all. And people would just create totally, you know, freely of all of that. I think that's, I think the majority of the music industry would probably disagree on me, disagree with me on that. But you know, I think creatives would probably be in the same boat, hopefully. For sure, for sure. It definitely does affect the the creative process. Uh, yeah. Either subconsciously or consciously. Yeah. It, it does affect it. Totally. You say that being fast is the number one key in today's music business. Oh, um, yeah. And just so just so people know, you know, Austin Kramer introduced us and then I think I sent you a message yeah. and you responded within like 30 seconds. <laughs> like it was insane. I, I'm used to waiting two weeks. Well, waiting two weeks and then sending a follow-up and waiting another week. Oh, yeah. um, so so why is that so important? Yeah, I mean, first of all, shout out Austin for introducing, introducing yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Awesome, man. Um, but I think, man, because I'm also used to w- waiting and I hate waiting. I think that, mm. I mean, everyone always has a really good reason usually to being delayed, hopefully, but I think as much as possible and I'm, it's still really hard to be super on top of stuff, but I think the quicker you are, the quicker it becomes kind of like a train of thought or a conversation rather than just Mm. an email with no emotion. So if you answer an email right away and then they can get back to you right away, it becomes kind of more of a tangible thing. I feel like ideas kind of come from those type of situations where you really give it like a a kickstart. Um, so I think being fast and, and giving artists answers is something they don't get a lot. Um, so I think that, you know, as quick as I possibly can, I'm going to try to answer everyone that I have the human power to do so. Um, because I think that, you know, not everyone gets that. I sure don't. And, you know, I think it's super important to just be be open, communicate, and be quick about it if you can. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, are there any books or resources that you recommend for people wanting to learn more about uh, the music industry, labels, all that kind of stuff. I think um, n- <laughs> I wish I wish I could, but I I think just the only recommendation I have is people. Um, mm. Every single thing that I know is from people, um, mm. and everyone has something to offer you. So I think talking to people, LinkedIn, like I use LinkedIn just to find out like who works where and what kind of questions can I ask them. Mm. Um, just to learn. I mean, I think that's the number one learning resource for literally any industry and especially the music industry. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Hey, Lucas, this has been a fantastic conversation. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, I really appreciate it. Really, really enjoyed it. 
Before you go, though, any last words of advice for the listeners? Um, yeah, I mean, n- nothing that I haven't said already, but I think just being genuine, create concepts, think about your art as a whole, um, and just be super passionate about it and don't get too caught up in the small stuff. It's just music. And I think that, you know, just being you and, and, and being stoked about it is kind of the number one thing that you should be focused on. And that's kind of the only thing I can really offer. (laughs) 